guys, let's pay attention. In this week's Parsha, we read the curses. Parsha's Kisavo. And the Gemara says that the year should end with its curses. Amen. We should have no more curses in our life, personally and uh, as a nation. But uh, there's a famous story with the Balatanya. The son of the Balatanya, the Mitla Rebbe. The second Lubavitcher Rebbe was a kid. And one year, it was Parshas Kisavo, and his father was away. The Balatanya was away on a trip. And it was Shabbos, and they were leaning, leaning Parshas Kisavo. They were leaning this week's Parsha, and they read the curses, and the Rebbe's son fainted. And they woke him up. They said, what's going on? He's like, there's curses. I, I can't believe it. It's, uh, I can't believe it. They said, what do you mean? You hear it every year. He's like, I never heard this before. He's like, my father is usually the Balkori. My father usually reads the Torah. And when he reads it, I only hear blessings. So the idea of a tzaddik and really our own avoda is to turn the curses into blessings. If we see through the external of the curse, and that's every curse in our life, we bring out the blessing. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. How do we bring an end to the curses in our life? How do we avoid suffering? How do we get out of suffering? So if you ask your average person on the street, how about you guys? Why do bad things happen to us as a nation, as individuals? Why a Holocaust? Why, you know, Rahman al why this tragic accident in our neighborhood, in our community? Why do bad things happen to us? How does it make you a giver when bad things happen? Okay, so one answer maybe that we, bad things happen that we can give to others, but in general, why do we need that? Why do why does why does it always have to go bad? Why can't a good time last? Because we messed up. All right, think about it. Okay, just. Great. Hurricanes, okay, yeah, why hurricanes, why sickness, holocaust, tragedies, but not only that, if you read the Torah itself, the Torah goes through a list of all sorts of curses, like horrible, horrible curses, just like the holocaust, you're going to get kicked out of your land, you're going to be go from nation to nation, you're going to be hated and persecuted and horrible things, why do you think the Torah is going to, why is Hashem going to do that to us, in the Torah, because we're not, because we're not listening, right, we're not listening to what God wants us to do, right? Incentive. 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 The Torah says, why do all these things happen to us? Okay, the Torah says, okay. you didn't listen to us. We didn't do what Hashem wanted us to do. And that's what most people think the answer is. But there's a twist. And the 
the twist is the next line. I'm sure Dr. Kaplan's in I just can't find it. <laughs> come on, come on, guys. Hold on, I'm pausing the recruiter. It says the Torah. When is all this stuff going to happen? There's six more losses and who's different? Say for that it's written in this book, the year is Hashem. The fear of And then if last Hashem's gonna increase your punishments and it goes on and on. But why is that gonna happen? Why are we not gonna keep the Torah? You know why all these things are gonna happen to you? Because you didn't serve Hashem with Simcha. The number one thing that we do wrong. That we don't serve Hashem with joy. That is the now, but it said a second ago because we didn't keep the Torah. Do you know why we didn't keep the Torah? Because we didn't understand the purpose of the Torah. And the purpose of the Torah is that we should be serving Hashem besimcha. We should have a relationship with Hashem. Not only should we have a relationship with Hashem, we should become like Hashem. We should literally elevate ourselves to be on the level of godliness. So the answer is, says of Aaron of Karlin. Sim, there are two things that are not. There's one thing that's not a mitzvah, but it brings you to all to, to all mitzvahs. And there's something that's not a sin, but it brings you to all sins. What's the thing that's a, not a mitzvah? Brings you to all the mitzvahs. Simcha, simcha. According to Rabbi Nachman, it is a mitzvah. Mitzvah gedol elios b'simcha. But the truth is, is the litvach say simcha gedol elios b'mitzvah. The truth is, is that, says Rana Kaleen, it's not a mitzvah, it's the prerequisite for all mitzvahs. And what's the thing that brings you to, that's not an avera, brings you to all averas? Sadness. The opposite. Oh. So the key is happiness. Because we weren't happy with our, with, with what we have, Merov called, they said you didn't serve Hashem a simple when you had it good, Rashi says. That's why you have to lose it. The answer is if you don't use it, you lose it. What does that mean? If we're not happy with what we have, we don't focus on the good in our life, then we have to lose it in order to appreciate what we had all along. So the Chedushia Rim says, Oh, great. We'll talk about that in a second. The Chedushia Rim says, The key to having no bad things happen to you is being grateful for all the things that you do have. Then you don't ever have to go through hardship. I mean, again, I don't know. If, try it and tell me if it didn't work. <laughs> try it. Number one for sure is you'll have a happier life. <laughs> bad things might still happen. I can't guarantee that. But I can guarantee you'll have a better life. So it's all about perspective. So how can we make ourselves happy? What do you mean? Happiness, you know what the word happiness means? Latin? Latin. Comes to the root hap. You know what hap means? Happenstance. It means luck. In Latin, in, in English, hap, to be happy, you have to get lucky. You have to have the right house, the right spouse, the right car, the right bank account, then you'll, the right health, then you'll be happy. <laughs> smart, no, listen, smart, we have smart in the room. <laughs> so, so, so how how do we do it? How do we do it? The answer is is that in Torah, happiness 
It's not something that happens to you. If you get lucky, happiness is a choice that you can make. The word simcha is the same letters as the word machshava. Because happiness is in the mind. So what is happiness? It's not what you have. It's what you think about what you have. Happiness, happiness is exactly being happy with what you have. So the Torah, before bringing the klalas, gives us the antidote for the klalas. You know what the antidote for the klalas is? The beginning of the parsha, Bikurim. What's Bikurim? There's a klal, there's a rule that Hashem always gives the refuah before the makkah. Before the sickness, He gives the healing. So before the punishments, Hashem says, do you know what you should do? The secret is to not be a kofu tova, to not be someone who's an ingrate, is that the first fruit that you grow, right? You grow a, you grow a fruit, a farmer grows a fruit, the first fruit that blooms, and he gives it to the coin. That's called bikurim. Essentially, making a statement. That fruit that grew on the tree, What's, what's the message of Bikurim? You're taking that fruit, giving it to the Kohen. Putting it in the garden. But granted, how? Why? Why can't be grateful for making fruit grow? Why do I have to remember to be grateful for that? The truth is, is that the very nature of our human condition is feeling independent from Hashem. Our job is to recognize there's nothing but Hashem. So, the Bikurim is essentially taking that fruit and saying, Hashem, everything I have comes from you. But I have a question for you. This is like an unbelievable idea. Right? Who is more likely to think I did it? The farmer and the fruit or me who just made a lot of money on my business? Who's more likely to be a Balgaiva? Me! And yet the Torah says the farmer who did nothing. The farmer did nothing. He, pl- he plowed. He weeded. But he doesn't know how to make fruit. <laughs> the farmer has no clue how to make fruit. All he does is he has to prepare the way for the fruit to grow. And he has to remember that's from Hashem. Obviously that's from Hashem. All the more so we have to realize that our job in this world is to remove the weeds. We don't do anything. All we have to do is prevent the, the stuff that prevents, get rid of the stuff that prevents the blessing from coming into this world. All right. One time I met Rav Noah Weinberg. I met him one time. And, uh, and I asked him for a bracha. And he said, he said, you have no idea how much Hashem loves you. You have no idea how much bracha and blessing Hashem wants to bestow upon you. And the only thing that's preventing all the blessing of health, happiness, wealth, love, children, the only thing that's preventing that from coming to your life is you. (laughs) But it's the truth, is we are our biggest enemy. And it's really us that's the enemy. It's the feeling that you exist. The more you realize you don't exist, you are a piece of Hashem, your job in this world is simply to let Hashem flow through you, just like the fruit. Just literally become a vehicle for Hashem's blessing to come into the world. You are literally here to bring mitzvahs into the world. 
to bring goodness into the world, wherever you are. Don't ask yourself, what can I get out of this? What do I want? What am I lacking? What do I need? Say, what does Hashem need right now? What can I do for this yid? What can I do for that person? How can I be of service? If you have that attitude, then literally, you can live a life of happiness. So, Hakaras Hatov, Hakaras Hatov means to recognize the good. I know a guy who's a paraplegic. One day he woke up, he couldn't move any limbs of his body. Oh, quadriplegic, sorry. Quadriplegic. He could not move any limbs of his body, and he committed himself to being happy. And he started going around giving out these cards saying, keep smiling. The great guy, he lives in L.A., Barry Shore, his name is. And people see him, they're like, this guy in a wheelchair, he's giving out cards, keeps smiling. They're like, all right, I guess I should also. And he actually literally, he taught himself to walk again. Yeah. And now he walks. Anyway, so, so he has a great line. He has a great line. He says, be a good-looking Jew. You're good-looking. Looking for the good. That's what he says. So, you know, actually, like, I always ask people this question. Would you rather tomorrow, God forbid, win a million dollars, lottery, mega million, or become a quadro or paraplegic, God forbid. Which would you rather do? Which would you rather? <laughs> Tough choice, right? <laughs> so obviously everyone would rather win the million. Why? Because we assume we make a million, you're going to be happier, right? Which one is more likely to end up happier? Statistically speaking, the paraplegic or the or quadriplegic or the millionaire. So statistically speaking, and I'm quoting psychologists, it makes zero difference. You'll be happy for a little while when you win the lottery. God forbid, be miserable for a little while after becoming quadriplegic. But after time, goes back to neutral. It becomes your norm, and then you're stuck with your attitude. Whatever your attitude is. Oh. <laughs> Most millionaires become broke after a few years. <laughs> so, okay, so that's that's number one. So the Parsha of Bikurim is so quintessential to Judaism that it's actually the focal point of a very important ritual in the Jewish calendar. What would you say is the most important ritual in which, or mitzvah, in which we give over the message of what it means to be a Jew, who we are as a nation? Pesach. And what do we say on Pesach? The Haggadah. And what is the Haggadah? Word for word. The Haggadah is word for word this week's Parsha. The thing that is said when you bring these fruits to Yerushalayim. Word for word. Because it's the essence of what it means to be a Jew is to be, is to focus on that positivity, on a Akar Satov. Yehudi, what does it mean to be a Jew? I was thinking about this this morning. What does it mean to be a Jew? I want to say it on four different levels. I was thinking about this. Four different levels. The Babacher Rebbe says you can darshan every shot, ramish, sod, and drush, all four different aspects of Torah, you can learn according to Hasidus. <laughs> so, anyway, so the shot of Yehudi is that we come from Yehuda. Most Jews today are descendants of Yehuda. Who was Yehuda? Yehuda was the was the leader of the Jewish people. He's the the, the, the father of of David of Melech, of King David. So the Jewish people all descend from that pintle yid, 
that that source of Judaism of of King David. We all have a spark of King David in us. Okay, that's beautiful. That's pshat. It's actually pshat, maybe. All right, rush, Remus. I don't know the difference. I was making this up, but I was thinking uh, another explanation is Yehuda means to give thanks. Yehuda means to give thanks. Right. Rachel had Leah had three sons. There are four wives. So how many sons should each wife have? Three. Three. She gives birth to her fourth son. She says, now I have to give thanks. Why, says Rashi? Because I took more than I deserved. Akarasatov means recognizing I deserve nothing. It was like, no, Shmo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember his name. <laughs> I don't know. I remember. All right. The, um, Ruven Shimon, Levi Yehuda. Yisachar. There you go. Good. You're good. Hey, is that your name? Wow. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Shema. <laughs> so, so, um, so, what are we talking about? Oh, so Yehuda literally means to give thanks. The essence of a Jew is one who gives thanks. We wake up in the morning, the first thing we say, Moda Ani. Moda Ani. Literally translated means, I am a modet. I am one who gives thanks. That is my essence as a Jew. Shot, remez, drush. Maybe we could say Yehuda is the letter Yud. Letter Yud. Yud is Chachma. We come from Chachma law. We come from Hashem's Chachma. Yud is the closest thing to Hashem's Rasanus. Or maybe that was the Sod. Sorry, drush, we could say Yehuda is Yud, K, Vav, K, with a Dalit in the middle. Yehuda means to take, wait Rabbi, I have a really good word though. To take Hashem and spread him to the four corners of the earth. That's the goal of a Jew. Anyway, alright, so so I want to share with you one last idea that I heard, I read uh, in uh, from Rav. In the, always, to reveal Hashem in the world. Our job is to reveal Hashem in the world. So, um, I saw a great book from Pinchas Friedman from Bells. He says like this, it says, at the end of the, the beginning, there's curses and blessings that were said on the mountains when we went into Eretz And the last curse is, the last curse is Aurer. Cursed is one who does not, Rabbi, help me out here, keep Aurer. Cursed is one who doesn't keep this entire Torah. Someone doesn't keep the Torah. The Torah that we accepted to keep. Says the Ramban, uh, Apella. Ramban, in the name of the Yerushalmi, the Ramban says, it's talking about a chazan. Who doesn't stand up? Who doesn't stand up the Torah? It's talking about a chazan who doesn't do Hagbah properly and show everyone the letters of the Torah. Well, chazan or whoever's leaning, or now we have someone who does Hagbah. Well, what? Why is that something deserving of the last and final curse? So says says Rav Freeman Gavalik. This is unbelievable. He says when the Malachim went up to Shemayim to get the Torah. So when Moshe went up to Shemayim to get the Torah, the, the, the Malachim said, "What are you doing? What's this human being doing here? How can we give him the Torah?" And Hashem says, "Moshe, defend yourself." And Moshe says, "Okay, what's in the Torah?" He says, uh, don't steal. He says, oh, you guys have possessions? You can steal? Don't worry about it. Oh, you, you do business with Goyim? You might swear falsely? You, your parents? You're going to curse your parents? You're going to well, you keep eat meat and milk? What? 
So, obviously, right? The question is, what were the Malachim thinking? Obviously, they don't have mitzvahs. The Malachim didn't know what's in the Torah. The Malachim don't know the Torah. They worried about Shem's honor. Okay. But the Lamaises, they agree in the end. They agree, you're right. You know what? You're right. We we don't have all that. We can't have the ability to do mitzvahs. So, you're right. You should have it. So, says the Radvaz. Says the Radvaz. That really, the Torah the Malachim have is very different than the Torah we have. Because we have something called Nikudas. We have vowels. But the Torah, the Sefer Torah doesn't have vowels. The Sefer Torah of the Malachim is a code of letters that does not have vowelization, vocalization, or spaces between the letters. And in fact, the entire Torah, the Ramban says, in the Zaktamah is Shemus the Kutsha The entire Torah is names of God. The Malachim have the spiritual Torah, which is completely just godliness. When it comes into this world, it breaks apart into stories and laws and details, and that's the Nakudas. One of the explanations is at the end of the Torah says that Moshe wrote the Torah crying. And, and Moshe wrote the last eight sukkim. The question is, who wrote the last eight sukkim of the Torah? Moshe dies, and then there's eight more phrases. Who wrote them? Moshe's dead already. Passed away. So who wrote those letters? Those last eight letters? So one opinion the is Yoshua wrote them. The other opinion is that Moshe wrote them while crying. Crying. He was crying. He was writing his own death before he died, passed away. But there are those that explain, I think the Gra, that it means Bamaduma. It means mixed up. He wrote those last eight letters without the spaces. And without, he didn't know what he was writing. It could be turned into all sorts of different words. Yoshua then put the punctuation in the space between the letters. So the entire Torah the Malachim had was a, to- a Torah that was without without vowels and without letters. And that's the true Torah. That's the sod of the Torah. It's just names of God. When it comes into this world, it comes into actions and stories, laws and stories. The truth is, what is Torah? Torah is one thing. Hashem's Ratzon. Torah is Hashem's Ratzon. When we do mitzvahs, we are doing God's will. When we learn Torah, we're connecting to God's mind. And the Malachim saw that for what it was, just names of God. That means expression of God. So when we lane the Torah, we're laning the Torah Shabbat, so to speak. We're laning a, a Masorah. We're laning letter, pronunciations. Actually, today's not. I had a discussion of if there's Aimla Mikra, Aimla Masorah. So when we lane the Torah, we're laning this Torah, our Torah. But when we see the Torah, when he lifts up the Torah and he does Hagba, he's showing us the letters. The letters, which is the sod of the Torah. It's the secret of the Torah before it came into this world in pronunciable ways, in actionable ways. So the job of the Shliat Sibor is not only to read the Torah, but he also has to show the Torah. Because he has to let us know that there's more than what you hear. There's a sod, there's a secret, there's a, there's a neshama behind the letters. The Torah, the Anochi, wait, Yesh Shishim Rebbe Oisim Torah. Yesh Shishim. What does that stand, what's the acronym? Yesh Shishim Oisim Torah. Yisrael, Yisrael, the Jewish people. The Gemara, the, the Zohar says, stands for Yesh Shishim Rebbe Oisim Torah. There are 600,000 letters in the Torah that correspond to 600,000 souls of the Jewish people. 
We are all a different letter in the Torah. My Rebbe, the Boston Rebbe, when he came here, he spoke Shalashudas, and he said, if you see a Jew, and you look down on that Jew, you know what you're saying? Saying, my Sefer Torah is incomplete. Because I need you for, to have my... We need each other. There's no Sefer Torah without all of us. Yeah? Oh, everyone gets a Leah, simple Torah. So, not exactly that number of letters in the Torah. There's less letters in the Torah. I think, it's, I think it's less. Oh. You could say. You could definitely say. Probably shouldn't say anything about the Holocaust. But so so the the job of a Shliap Sibur, the job of a, of a tzaddik, is to bring out the panemius of the Torah. We read curses. The reality is it's blessings. We see Jews who don't look so good. They don't look like us. We don't like the way they dress. We don't like the way they act. We don't like their style of Judaism. We don't like the way they look. Oh, every Jew is a good-looking Jew. If you're looking at the inside, you see good. Uh, uh, ten Jews, no matter how observant they are. Ten Jews, no matter how observant they are, they're in a room together. You can pray together. You can say. You can say. You can say the the words of prayer. But yes, you consider it a Jew no matter what. If you have nine the leader, leading rabbis in the world in a room, they can't do anything. And you know where we learn the min the idea of a minion from? From the Miraglim and from the followers of Korah. From the Miraglim and the followers of Korah, we see ten men is called an Ada, is called a congregation. Ten men who who ended up doing a terrible thing where because of them we have Tishabab. Because of those ten men, we have Tishabab, and yet from them we learn the idea of a minion that shows it doesn't matter who they are. You get ten Jews in a in a room. You you have the Shekhinah, the divine presence is there. So we, we should be zokal. Let me say the blessing. Now I got a question. We should be zokal. We should be blessed to see the good in each other, to see the good in ourselves, to be thankful for what we have. If we can be thankful for what we have, we don't need to suffer. We don't need to go through bad. We have to learn to to recognize and appreciate everything that we have. To be grateful. To bring our first fruits to Hashem. To recognize we do nothing in this world. We don't know how to grow fruit. And you know what? We don't know how to do business either. All we know how to do is remove the weeds to let Hashem bring, bring the blessing into our life.